Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Outreach. That's Outreach.io, the leading sales engagement platform. Outreach supports sales reps by enabling them to humanize communications at scale from automating the soul-sucking manual work that eats up sales time to providing action-oriented tips on what communications are working best. Outreach has your back. It's a great product. The company is filled with amazing people. And I can tell you firsthand, Outreach will make your sales org better. Do yourself a favor and check them out today. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Xvoyant today. The Xvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will change careers in, in, in your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Xvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to these sales success blueprints. Now... Get ready for some sales insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today we are joined by Sherry Levitin. Sherry has built a global sales consulting firm that has helped drive over $1 billion in increased profits. That's profits, not sales. Companies in over 40 countries worldwide work closely with Sherry to help develop better sales teams fueled by stronger sales leaders. Sherry's work has turned tons of heads. She's been recognized as a top 50 keynote speaker in sales, one of the top 36 women in sales, and was one of LinkedIn's top 10 voices in sales for 2019. Her best-selling book, Heart and Sell, continues to help salespeople around the world become more authentic, more successful salespeople. Sherry is a great friend. I just had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with her at the Sundance Film Festival at her home and spent a lot of time talking about these issues, and I'm super excited to get her on our show today. Sherry, my friend, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Rob. I'm always thrilled to talk to you. It was it was fun for us to dive into a lot of things about life, sales, and life, and all kinds of stuff, and and I'm really excited to get you on our show. I think we have a couple of really important things that will help sales leaders today. Can, can you start by, for the few people that might not know who you are yet, can you introduce yourself and, and your group and what you do for sales organizations around the world? Yeah, you bet. Um, our company is Leviton Group, and we've changed quite a bit over the years. Today, we really focus on two aspects of sales and sales leadership. One is uh, we deliver keynotes and uh, workshops that are like rock shows. They're super fun because salespeople have a low attention span, so we've got to engage them. Yep. Uh, focusing on 
really how to bring the human back into selling and leading. And the second thing we do is we will work with companies to help them scale their training programs. We like to say we help the rest be as good as the best. And so we create customized training and coaching programs uh, using online learning, using ongoing coaching, live visits, and a, and a myriad of, of different me methods. Yeah, I want to get into that. I, I love that line, helping the rest become as good as the best. I, I, I want to make sure we spend some time on that. Uh, so I love your group. I, I've watched you speak on stage. That's how we actually first got to know each other is I watched you light up a room, and it, it was fun to watch you take control of a pretty big group like that. Um, can you just take a few more minutes and share about your story? How, how did you get into sales? Like, did sales find you? Did you find it? Uh, how did that ultimately lead you to starting this really successful company that's helping organizations around the world? Well, probably like a lot of people, Rob, it was by accident. I didn't yeah. sit, up, sit on my grandpa's lap and say, I want to be a sales rep when I grow up, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, early on when I was in my 20s, I got into the hospitality industry and I loved it. I never thought of sales as a career. I never thought, wow, I can talk to people and get them excited and meet all different people and, you know, share with them how to have a better life. And, and so I was pretty jazzed and I, I ended up not going back to school. I was going to go to law school, uh, started making money. But the truth is when I started, I was a pretty mediocre salesperson until I met a mentor who changed everything for me. And, um, taught me things uh, that there was a structure or a system to this thing called sales and really changed my life. Um, I became the top salesperson in my um, region and then the top salesperson in all of Marriott worldwide. And then I pursued my love for training and development. After that, I, I uh, managed a team of, I always like to joke, Rob, that I did so well in sales that I got a promotion to make less money and work longer hours. They put me into leadership. <laughs> yeah, welcome welcome to the sales leadership job. You know, people get that first sales leadership job and they go, wait a minute, that cost me money. How does that make sense? Right. right. Be careful when you say you want to get out of the uh, the individual contributor role. The very best people, like if you're, you're number one at Marriott World, well, I got push pause on that. That's a big deal. Congratulations to you. That's that's a large sales organization and they, they know how to do it. So you go from being top of, of that world to new sales manager that actually probably had to be a pretty hefty pay cut because you're maxing out commissions and going to overrides what other people do. Yeah, that's right. And, and, but the truth is whatever title I had, um, you know, I ran several projects, had a lot of sales reps under me, but my passion was always training and development, no matter what my title was. And I remember one day we were all sitting around in Colorado talking about what we'd do if we won the then, I think it was $32 million lottery. And people are going one by one saying, oh, I'd you know, buy this fancy house in New York, I'd get beautiful clothes, the other one's gonna start an outdoor company in Nepal, and everybody looked at me, Jerry, what would you do if you won the lottery? I said, I'd start a training company, and I'd help people <laughs> transform, and I'd coach, and, I, and they kind of looked at me like, okay, you're sick. Like, you know, that's, that's really weird. And, then somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know, you don't have to win the lottery. You could do that now. And that was pivotal for me. That's an awesome story. So you, like most of us, kind of found your way into it. We're fortunate enough to have some mentors along the way that helped you, helped you get places. And 
you realize that you have this passion for developing people. And, and I think that's a really important uh, thing for us to identify on this, Sherry. The great leaders are driven by a desire to help develop people. It's not because they're going to max out their W-2, right? Well, and I think it, it, you know, I think we teach sometimes what we need to learn, <laughs> right? Mm. And I really believe that sales isn't something you do at work. It's who you are. And if we yeah. can grow our empathy skills, our curiosity skills, our listening skills, we become better people, better leaders, and then we make more money. It's not the other way around. Amen. Right? And that's why you and I have the same, and a lot of the great ones that are that like, like you, and I think of other great ones like my friend John Barrows, they, they sound just like you. Sales is the greatest profession in the world when you do it right. Right. And, uh, but so many don't have, haven't had someone teach them how to do it right, that they fall into these traps that make people just say, oh, salespeople, right? And so, totally. Yeah. So I want to talk about that. I love your background. I love your approach. I'm a huge fan of what you do. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm really excited to introduce you to our listeners. We have thousands of people around the world listening right now. And I want to talk about like the kind of core wheelhouse of what you help organizations do. And that's what you call rehumanizing the sales process. Can we get into what that means a little bit? Because I believe that if sales leaders can start to uh, focus on that a little bit, they can have great, great things happen in 2020 that maybe they weren't planning on doing. It, it changes everything, Robin. I, I want to first start and say, why now? Why this shift is so critical? And I've seen three major shifts, and you've seen them as well. But let me just put them into that framework. Um, number one, information overload. We have more information than we have in human history. If you look at, and, and so do our customers, so it's harder to make a buying decision, right? What we know is that as a nation, we have created five times as much content in the last few years than in all of humankind. What? Say that again. Okay. We Say that again. That's, we have uh... created, like, try to get your mind around this a minute, about how much information is coming at us. It used to be that accessing information was difficult, right? You'd have to right. go to a seminar. You'd have to go. Now it's not about accessing. It's about filtering. In fact, right? as a sales rep, that could be a competitive advantage if you are better at presenting information to people that they didn't have access to. But now everybody can get everything. Everybody can get everything, and it's confusing. And you mm -hmm. confuse them, you lose them, right? So now, and, and Gartner just came out with a great study last year that said, look, we all know that the customer 67% through the buying process before they even talk to a rep, and they only spend 17% of their time actually talking to a seller. That's not necessarily you, that's a seller. So what does that mean? The customer has all this information that they're getting online, but a lot of the information is contradictory. They're confused. And what do most sales reps default to? Giving the customer more information. Right. Here's a white paper. Here's what you should do. Instead of being a human, finding out what the customer needs and making sense of the information they already have and teaching them how to buy a product like theirs. Being that real trusted advisor that can listen so carefully that we tell them what to think of, what not to think of, what questions to ask, how to get consensus, all of these things. So that's one critical shift. Now this is big. The second big shift and why we need to rehumanize is that there was a recent Gallup study that showed, well, I'm going to ask you, okay. guess who the least trusted of all professionals in the world are? The least today. 
The least? The least. Uh, I hate to say it, but so, so say the question one more time. Well, well let me give you a hint. Yeah. The second least trusted is salespeople. Yeah, okay. So who's first? So the, so the, so the least trusted person? The least trusted profession. Man, I don't know, Sherry. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, salesperson. That was gonna make me sad. So you tell me. Politicians. Politicians. And members of Congress. So I don't call those professionals. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got trust. We got information at all time high. We've got trust at an all time low. Right? People are afraid to give their data away. We're in an era of fake news polar massive polarization and here's the kicker as technology use increases empathy decreases the very skill needed to build trust in sales so i'll so say that again as tech use increases, increases empathy decreases and I just saw a movie at Sundance that rocked my world. I've got to put a plug in for it right now. It's Jeff Orlowski's Social Dilemma, and it's about the effects of social media on our brains. Now, we oh, all wow. love it. We all use it. And one of the things they said is that we're, our first-generation smartphone users have lost empathy by 40%. Whoa. Right? And get this. You look at this polarized nation that we're in. Why is that? we're not even getting the same facts. I'm passionate about this. The way Google search works today and the way social media works is I am gonna get information that supports my own worldviews. So when somebody in Texas Googles something, they might get a completely different set of facts than somebody in Utah, which means we become increasingly polarized. Hmm. That makes total sense. I, I want to push pause on something for a second, Sherry, and I want to—I can't wait to get all three of your parts of your rehumanization. I'm—I'm I'm looking at all this stuff on information overload, and I think you're dead on. I, I like how you quoted a couple of studies that other people have heard. Like you, I like how you said, Gary said, "Yeah, we all know about the 67 percent." Let's talk about what that means. I really appreciate you doing that for our listeners right now. So, one of the things that comes to mind that I want to drill into a little bit with you because you, you create a lot of content. I watch, I follow you, you make great videos, you have great tips, et cetera. Uh, so you are contributing to um, this five times more content. I make a lot of content. Um, I make a lot of content. Salespeople are told to create content. We're yeah. told to create content. Yeah. And so that's like one of the things, create content. So that's what I'm, I'm listening to you talk about. We've created all this, there's this information overload. However, we're being told to create content. So how do we do that in a way that rehumanizes? Is that a, is that a good question given what we're talking about? Because we are all trying to differentiate by bringing, by bringing things. You made a really interesting statement that I said, that I wrote down. You said rehumanization is finding out what they need and what makes sense to them. Is that a matter of getting them to share their priorities with you? Because I think we're in a day that if you show up and say that, like back in the nineties or the early two thousands, you could say, tell me what keeps you up at night. If you do that now, someone's going to say, get the hell out of my office. Get the right. hang up the phone. They expect you to know the world. So is it a matter of having an informed conversation, have them help you know what the priorities are, and then create content and give them content around their priorities? Is, is that what you're saying? Well, let, you, there's two different questions here. And so the first yeah, one. And I'm sorry ask, about that. I don't know. That's okay. I, I can keep up with you, Rob. I promise. <laughs> um, I love it. I freaking love it. <laughs> the first question you're asking 
uh, is about what does the sale, there's two questions. One is, should we be creating more content right, and adding to the problem? And then, the, but the question I want to address first is the question you asked about what does that mean to make sense of it all? And I'm going to quote Gartner again. I was fortunate enough, I am fortunate enough to be on the thought leaders panel for Gartner and receive this great information uh, and, and, and what it means to sales reps. So I'm going to share something that I learned and something that we've been working with our clients on, and that is this. Gartner says today there's three types of selling behaviors. All right. Only one of them is successful today. And now this will make sense in the context of what we're going to discuss. So the first type of seller is the giver of information. So what that means is a customer comes in and, you know what, I'm going to just give you information all about my product. Okay? And the problem with that is they already have the information, right? That likely they already have a lot of that information. So now all you're doing is adding to it, saying, hey, let me give you a white paper. Hey, uh, you know, let me show you our happy customers, all that. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is the teller of information. So the teller is a little bit more arrogant, doesn't work out really well in a time of low trust. The teller says, hey, based on my experience being in sales, being in software for 15 years, let me tell you what I would do if I were you. Based on my experience, because that's the teller. I have been that that salesperson. <laughs> I, have, I have watched it blow up in my face. I, when you said it rarely works in a low trust environment, <laughs> I was like, I went back to a very specific selling uh, experience uh, several years ago where I blew it up and I, it was like a transformational experience for me because I was like, I just put myself on a pedestal. I was like, I know so much. And so I'm laughing over here as you tell that story. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. No, no, that's okay. But the third type of seller, which is the seller that we have to be today, is the sense maker. So the sense maker makes sense of all of the information that the customer already has. Now, here's the key. Now, this sounds simple, but as my mentor once said, it's simple, but if you're not doing it, it's advanced, right? So what the sense maker does is the sense maker shares with the customer how to buy a product like theirs, like ours. So whether you buy for us from us or not, if you're buying a CRM, here's the three things you ought to consider. Whether you buy my product or not, here's how you buy a training product. We, we um, were doing this not consciously. We were not consciously competent about this. What we always tell customers when they say, well, tell us about your training, tell us what you do. We say, look, we're not gonna tell you what we do. We're gonna tell you what you should look for when choosing mm. a training provider. If in fact, you're looking to move the needle and gain consistency you know, across, across your company. You need to have a, a, a training program that's efficient, meaning we're philosophically aligned. It yep. has to be scalable, meaning today, if you're not on a device, if you can't quickly scale, and if you're not using the same language, if, if you're not um, digitally enabled, it won't work. And it has to be sustainable, meaning at the end of the day, you need to fire us because we are going to transfer the competency to your trainers, coaches, and leaders. But I'm showing them. Now, you don't have to use us. Hey, but I'm going to have a framework that I know our product does all that. Yeah, I like that. That I like that a lot. Be a sense maker. So someone that puts context around all the stuff that generally is available. And, and so it just, this is awesome. I, I really like this. This is putting a lens on it that helps them focus on what matters rather than just adds to the pile of stuff and says, good luck figuring out what you want. 
Yeah, and and it's but it's rehumanizing. It's got to come from the heart, like truly. Love it. If at the end of the day you don't want to use us, I am going to take the time to show you how to ask the right questions, what you should look for, how what what should you be considering that you may not be considering. How do you gain consensus within your own organization? How should you do that? I'm going to teach you how to be confident in your ability to make a decision and make sense of all that information out there. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. I like that. So let's go back to my first question then. Uh, for all of this uh, talk around creating, creation of content, which I do believe we're in a content-fueled environment. I think content is the fuel for the modern day journey because people expect it. Uh, any thoughts around how a sales org or a salesperson or a sales leader ought to be doing that in a way that is useful? Well, you know, different organizations have different parameters around that. Uh, a lot sure. of organizations don't even want their sellers to have a LinkedIn profile, which is another conversation. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> they, don't give them, they don't want to give them that, uh, that much rope. Um, okay. But I, I would say that Again, what's, what's super critical, and it depends on their marketing department and, and, and how all that fits together. So there's not a one-size-fits-all on that. I will say that I am a huge proponent of video today. You made some great video work, yeah. Well, but in every step of the sales process. Because if you want to stand out to your customers, and, and I think we've got a, a small window here, Rob, because in a year, everybody's going to be doing it. It's going to be like email. You're going to get a 3%, you know, um, response rate, but now video, you're going to get seven times the response rate of an email. So video prospecting is what you're talking about. Not just putting stuff on social media. I, I think all of the above. Okay, cool. Um, prospecting. Yes. I'll tell you, um, where we've worked with it more because we really work with companies in the middle of the funnel. Um, I think guys like, like John Barrow, certainly Joe Conrad, they're, they're, um, how to get into big companies. They're yeah. about prospecting. That's not necessarily our wheelhouse. Right. We work with people once they're in front of the customer. Okay. And so my favorite, favorite way to leverage video is you think about um, we've got 10 average stakeholders now, right? 10. Okay. Yeah. So we just do a discovery call. Um, we find out all this great information, and that's there's a whole process for that that I think is really critical that we can get back to. But I'm going to find out four important things about my customer and about their business. Now, we're not the only person they're talking to. Right. They're talking to five or six other people. And likely, I don't have all 10 decision makers on the phone. Unlikely. I got a champion. Maybe I got two or three other people, if I'm lucky. Right. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow up that conversation with a video, what I call information confirmation. I like that. Based on our conversation. Here's what I understand, and I'm going to repeat back in order what I call their first level, second level, third level information. Um, I'm not going to sell my product or service at all. I'm just going to define their current state. I'm going to define what their problem is, what the implications of their problem are. I'm going to define what outcomes they want, why it matters to them emotionally, not just logically, how it will change their world. And then I'm going to remind them of our moving forward steps. Now, by doing this, and I never offer a solution, they feel got. When I am on video, I'm building more trust. And here's the other thing, Rob. No one else is doing it. 
Well, I that's... stand out. Yeah, I was going to say, Sherry, I love this. This is an awesome tip. I just cut you off and forgive me for that. So I'll let, I'm going to shut up. Finish what you're saying. I, w- I want to talk uh, about that. That's awesome. We, we have had more customers say, oh, my God, we love your sales process. We're yeah. hiring you yeah. because we want our people to sell their customers like you're engaging with us. And, and, the, and so then what happens is they've got this video. And what do they do now? They're showing it to other stakeholders. Yeah. Now the stakeholders, they got what? Four follow-up emails. Five of them didn't fo- bother to follow up at all. And I got a video. And I'm animated. And I'm talking yeah. about their issues and their problems, not my solution. Because if we correctly diagnose a problem like a doctor, we're given permission to solve it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great, great takeaway. I mean, I, 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 people have talked about how you follow up and how you, you know, create best practices for summary emails. And, you know, I, there's a lot of things like, hey, you know, we're going to send you this email. Well, do me a favor and respond and tell me what I got right and tell me what we missed. There's, I, I've seen that lots of ways. But the way you just described the summary video, especially it, depending on how you do it, you can actually track, see how many times that thing is shared and oh, yeah. who has it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're getting traction inside an organization immediately, just by how many times that video is being watched and shared. That's a great, great. Right. Which is the other thing, right? So then when I'm going back to my pipeline, I'm thinking, what am I going to do next week? What are my priorities? I'm going to go with those that are highest engaged first. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah it's awesome. Yeah. Like you'll know over a weekend, Holy crap. Holy cow. This thing got shared. 20 times and was watched 50 times. I, I got like somebody that's really interested in what's going on. That's, that's my first call Monday morning. Absolutely. That's awesome. Okay. So we've talked a ton about over, over uh, information overload, but what else goes into your rehumanization structure? Well, I always say in this time of information, when everybody has information, even Alexa has information Right. Yeah. And in this world of AI, what is AI if not algorithms and information? Today, as sellers and leaders, we need to do everything Alexa can't do. What does that mean? What could Alexa never do? Because otherwise, they're just, you know, we'll, we're never going to be replaced. I believe that sincerely. So, Me the, too. the four the four things I talk about when we talk about rehumanizing is number one, really working on skills to connect and build trust, which again, sounds easy. No. But most sales reps get it wrong. So I have a uh, just sort of a little fun thing I do in my keynotes, and it's everything Alexa can't do. We need to connect. We need to ask questions that get to the heart. We need to listen, listen to the emotion behind the words, and then link it to a brighter future. And only a human can do that. I think the most important part of that formula is connection. Because here we're in a world where so many people have over 5,000 friends, but they're still alone on a Friday night, right? Like, are we really connecting? And again, Gen Z, millennials, even baby boomers, we are losing our ability to truly connect. And I'm going to give you an example. One of the things we do in our seminars is we say there's two things Every seller needs to master in order to get a sale. We learned this in Sales 101. The first one is competency. We need to know our product. That's the information. And the second thing is empathy. We need to know our customer. 
Mm. Question. If you had to choose, which is more important, empathy or competency, in order to make a sale, which would you choose? So I would say I would say empathy because I want to connect with my customer. I always say connect before you correct. But I often think maybe it's easier said than done. I don't. You tell me what's the answer. Well, and in a group, 80 percent of the people get it right. It's interesting though, and and I would um, recommend that any manager leader on the phone try that with your people because it's interesting just to even hear their reasoning why competency might be more important or why empathy. You'll. It's a great discussion piece for a sales meeting. But beyond that, most people will say, yes, it's empathy. However, okay. most reps get it wrong in practice. So now the true answer is it's a trick question. Harvard Business Review came out okay. with an article that said empathy and competency are the two most important factors to creating influence. Okay. To have it, which is sales, right? That's yeah. how we create it is, is through the, the, in fact, it's 90% of persuasion is empathy. And wow. Those okay. two things are empathy what, and competency. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now I might break it down a little further, but, but be that as it may. But the thing is, here's the aha. The order matters. Empathy gets you in the door. Competency, reliability, and integrity keep you there. The problem is most sellers default into leading with competency because when we are insecure as a species, what do we want to do? We want to tell you how great we are. We want to tell you about how wonderful our products are instead of listening, which is actually harder. And uh, an example of that is how many people that are listening, you know, somebody connects with you on LinkedIn, you have no relationship with them, and in 30 seconds you get I'd like five minutes of your time. We have a state-of-the-art yeah. platform, da-da-da-da-da-da. Or, um, you know, the rep that cuts the discovery short and starts doing a demo before they really even understand, before they've really found out what's important to the customer, not only on a financial basis, not only their problems, but emotionally. Why would this matter to them as a human? I really like that That. Those two things are 90% of persuasion, but the order matters. That's, that's such a good sound bite. That's such a good drop. That's such a good thing for our, So I got these sales leaders all around the world. We got thousands of people listening to you. I don't, I don't care if they're stuck in traffic or on the train or they're walking the dog or on a hike or on a treadmill. Think about that. Like I'm th sitting here thinking for my sales team and for the sales teams of my, of my customers. Do we prioritize those skills based on where we are in the sales process? So early stage, it's about empathy. Mid-stage to late stage, it's going to be about competency, if I'm understanding you correctly. It's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and here's the other thing. I love this. I love um, statistics. Gallup tells us that if we are empathetic, people actually perceive us as being more competent. Now, let me also say... Wow. This is true for leaders. So if a sales leader comes into an organization, we've all had this happen. You're a new manager. You're a new frontline manager. You just get a promotion. And what do you want to do? You want to show everybody how smart you are. You're wicked smart, right? You're going to just it. show everybody. All right. You know? and, and, and so you start making changes. And what happens is they will respect you but fear you because they don't know what your intentions are. Hmm. Okay, now if you, on the other hand, lead with empathy, listen, 
sit down with everybody, find out not only the goals they want to achieve, but who they are and what makes their life worth living. We can only affect somebody's outer world if we get inside their inner world. Mm. And so, so when leaders do that, we are teaching our reps to do that with our customers. I like that a lot. You're starting to go where I was going to ask you. So I was going to ask you, how do we make sure you've talked about empathy a lot. You've told me it's the most important. You've told me where it fits in the continuum. I have to ask the question. So how does a sales leader do that? How does a, you just started by saying you, by showing empathy to the reps. Is, is, am I hearing you right? Yeah. And, and so what, what does that mean? That means it's more than what do the reps, you know, are they going to hit their number? Have you done enough calls? How can a leader start demonstrating and, and building the capability of having empathy? Can it be built? Is it something that you either have or don't have? I mean, if I'm a listener right now, they probably, again, I'm thinking about this for the first time, so forgive me. This is Robin Sherry unplugged now, okay? Um, <laughs> is, is empathy something that most leaders think they have and maybe they don't? I mean, is there a self-awareness issue with that? Is that something they can build? Can you talk about that since this is something that's right in your wheelhouse? You know, I always say feelings create actions, but actions create feelings too. Feelings create actions, but actions create feelings. Okay, I'm with you. We, we are what we repeatedly do. Yep. If we, but this is why I would say at my core, Rob, we can't have two versions of ourselves. We can't go to work and be empathetic after we just yelled at our kid, right? Yeah. So. The practice of empathy, the mm. practice of optimism, the practice of curiosity is a practice. So just like you can practice an instrument, practice a sport, um, you know, practice your sales skills, how to isolate objections or tell a great story, we can practice empathy. And we have to because it's a muscle. And the more we practice it, the better we'll be at it. But that means... We start listening better to our spouse. That means we start engaging with the person at the dry cleaner who we've never given a rat's you know what about. Hmm. And that takes, it takes tenacity. It takes work. It's harder to listen than it is to talk. That's why we don't listen well. That's why we don't ask good questions, but it really just takes that awareness. Now, science tells us some people are naturally more empathetic than others. But what I do know is that you can grow your empathy. And I do know that what happens in the training and coaching process will be duplicated by your reps in the sales process. So we have to be an empathetic leader. Well said. Well said. Okay, so we've got information overload. We've got to do everything Alexa can't, and, and really that means provide context and provide empathy. Uh, I loved how you said that. You know, we're we're gonna make that link to the brighter future. I I, I really think that's well said, and and I think that that paints a picture of why our job as sales reps is so important. Any final parts of of you know the, how a leader can help their their teams rehumanize the process, and as a result create a more positive experience for our, our buyers? Well, you know this, Rob, you talk about this all the time. And, and that's why, 
I, I just love talking to you because we're so philosophically aligned. What, yeah. I think one of the best things you say that really is an aha for people, and I quote you on this, I hope you don't mind, but it's not just about hitting the number or hitting the quota. How do I make each rep on the team 10% better? That's right. breakthrough, right? Yeah. Because now I'm focusing on the individual and what their needs, what their skills, what their fears are. I'm focused right. on the human, right? which is what you're doing. But that also begins with the who. Who are you hiring in the first place? And I love to quote, uh, I don't know if you ever read the book uh, Character by David Brooks. No, I haven't fabulous read. And I love the distinction that he uses. He says, there's two types of virtues that people can have. There's resume virtues, things like, um, you know, your skill sets, your accomplishments, you know, what numbers have you hit? What's your win rate? But then there's eulogy virtues. Those things people will say about you at your funeral. Ugh. Was he kind? Yeah. Was he patient? Was he compassionate? Was he curious? Was he a giver? And according to Brooks, eulogy virtues today are more important than resume virtues. Because I can teach you the wow. resume stuff. I can oh. teach you that. Deep thoughts with Sherry Levinson on the <laughs> Sales Leadership Podcast today. I love it. Eulogy virtues are better and more important than resume virtues. I, I love that. That's that's super introspective. And, so we um, have to hire based. So so we have to hire based on values, not just experience. What are their values? What's their character? Is that hard to do? Is that another thing that's easy to say hard to do, or is it a pretty simple shift? I mean, any any. I love that. Now you've made a big point. Can we turn that into a couple of things that maybe our leaders can say? Hey, I'm going to try that right now. I mean, it's. Again, it, I, I'm going to quote my mentor again. It's simple, but if you're not doing it, it's advanced. Right. right? Yeah. I, I mean, everything we do, Rob, we, we all know what to do. Yeah. I mean, come on. We, anybody listening has listened to tons of podcasts. The point is, are you doing it consistently, even when you don't feel like it, even when you're emotionally bankrupt? Are you yeah. going through all this yeah. stuff? Yeah. We need to go through. <laughs> yeah. so, so my advice to a sales leader is, I mean, it all starts with figuring out as an organization, what do you stand for? Who are you? You know, what are your values? And then you've got to create interview questions that reinforce those values. I'll give you an example. Please. My, one of my highest values, I mean, certainly integrity. I mean, that goes without saying. Yeah. But after that, I would say in our organization, we're a training and development company. Okay. So my highest value is, do I have somebody that's coachable, that has a growth mindset, and that is a learner and wants to grow? Okay. Now, I'm not going to ask them in the interview process, hey, yeah. do you have Are a you growth coachable? mindset? Sure. You have to derive it, right? You got to be able to derive that. Yeah. You, what are you reading? What, what courses have you taken? Do you remember... Back when, and I, I'm not being political here, but do you remember when Sarah Palin was running for vice president with McCain? Yes. And uh, I think it was Katie Couric. It was a Katie Couric interview. And she said to Sarah, um, what are you reading? And she says, oh, I, I read everything. She says, well, like what? Well, just like everything. Huh. Which means <laughs> so you're reading, that means you're reading right, nothing. Yeah. Right, right. So they've got to be specific. So you want, so again, if, you're, if your value, you have to decide what your values are in your organization to us, 
I don't want anybody anywhere on my team, not our controller, not our, um, you, you know, products manager. I don't want anybody on my team that isn't learning and growing all the time because that's what we stand for. That's who we are at our core. That's what we do. That's what we believe in. And we believe in people that can do that. You know, I really like that. You know, I always ask the people who come on the show, what's something that you should read? I'm going to now add it. So what should they read? What are you reading right now? And I, I think that'll be a good add to our show. In fact, uh, thank you for, for sharing that. This is awesome. Um, we have seven or eight minutes left, Sherry. And um, it's gone fast. It always does. Man, time just flies by. I want to thank you again on behalf of our, our listeners. This has been fantastic, like really, really good. I want to go to that statement that you have that I told you I wanted to make sure we get to, helping the rest become as good as the best. I said it wrong. I'm sure you, you have your way that you said it. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? And, and I think that's a really good um, – I don't know, a mission statement for every sales leader, right? I think if a sales leader adopted that as a mission statement, you know, they rehumanize the process like we just talked about. And thank you for sharing some of the insight to that. And I hope lots of people will reach out to you to get more details on that. What Can you talk a little bit about the role for a sales leader and how it relates to helping the rest become as good as the best? As the best? I, I will. And, and, and again, the most important role of the sales leader, I just want to put this in here is giving their people hope and helping mm. them see their strengths. And, and I, I want to come back to that if, if we have time. Um, let's what, start with it. If that's what you want to do, let's start there. Let's Because I want to stay where you want to be. I, I think that's super important, giving hope and aligning to strengths. Let's start with that. You know, I tell a story um, at my seminars about how my life changed when I had a great mentor. I, I was mediocre for a long time, and I had a – Mentor, I was closing a deal one night, and he said that he wanted to see me in his office at the end of the night. I thought I was in trouble. I go down. He says, hey, he, he closes the door. He looks me in the eye. He says, hey, I've been watching you, and you have a rare talent. In wow. fact, if you keep it up, I, I think you'll be number one uh, in, in this region. Now, now you got to understand, I was like towards the bottom. So I wasn't even a middle, right? I, I was sort of middle to bottom, and I'd been there for, for a while, and – and so the next day, I, and I was stunned. You got to understand, Rob, I was stunned. I'm like, me? I'm not top seller. But he gave me this confidence. And so the next day, I started listening to tapes and reading. And I'm thinking, I got all this talent. I have a rare talent, right? And turns out, at the end of the year, I became the, the top in our region. And I remember getting a big bouquet of flowers that said, congratulations, you have a rare talent. And again, I said, I did so well that they – Ended up, I became top in, in all of Marriott. They made me a manager. I start as a manager, and then I'm a horrible manager. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just horrible. I was a top seller in the organization, then I sucked. So I go in to quit, and I, I said, Steve, I, 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 yeah, I got to go back into sales. Half my team hates my guts. This isn't going to work. He looks at me and says, what took you so long? I said, what do you mean? He says, how come when you're in sales, you ask for help every day? You know, now you think you're supposed to know it all as a new manager leader? And, and I'm crying. And he says, all right, do you want me to teach you the key to being the world's best sales leader? Or are you going to quit? I'm like, no, no, tell me, tell me. He says, all right, rule number one of being the best sales leader. He says, sure, I have a feeling you're going to have thousands of people work for you throughout your career. Wow. He says, if you find one, even if they're not that good, but they're coachable, what I want you to do is pull them into your office, look them in the eye, and tell them they have a rare talent. 
Tell them that with a little bit of work, they have the ability to become number one in their industry. Wow. Okay. He believed in me more than I believed in myself. And he was the first one who told me that I had something special. And, and I want to preface this conversation by, you know, we just lost Kobe Bryant. Yep. And I look at millions of people being so sad, and he was such a leader and such an inspiration. And why? Not because he was a good basketball player, because he gave him hope. Because he gave people hope. So I think it's important to sort of start the conversation with that. Now, I know we only have three minutes left, so let me go into how you make the rest as good yeah, as the best. No. Okay, great, yeah. Um, when we talk about making the rest as good as the best, what I believe is that in an organization, if you study the top people in an organization, you can call out patterns or distinctions of what it is they're doing right. Okay. And, and salespeople need process. They need to know. Um, I found that if you can unpack, instead of just saying, do a good discovery, hey, here's the four things you need to, that's your scorecard. But it's not just the scorecard of here's the four pieces of information you're trying to get. It's, it's the why. It's the psychology. So what we've always done is we believe that 70% of all sales is universal. 30% is very specific to that organization. If I can find out what the best are doing, if I can codify it and then create training around what the best are already doing and customize it, I can start to bring up the rest as good as the best. Now, you've got to use all the different parts of adult learning theory and, you know, how to scale training programs, but there are patterns in your best always. And so if you can call those out and train them to your organization, that's how you're going to achieve those results. That's a really great introduction to that. And I think that that sets up that we can have a part two if we want to uh, down the road. And I think that these are such good, like so many takeaways from this. I, I love the idea of our job is to create hope. Our job is to create well-lit pathways to brighter futures for our, for our customers, but also for our reps. Uh, I love this topic of, creating empathy is about who you are, not something that you do. That's really, really good. Sherry, this has been outstanding. I, I, uh, I want to get into the, the way that we finish everything. We finish everybody the same way. Uh, three questions, kind of rapid fire. You ready? You got it. Okay. Biggest sales leadership challenge that you see out there and how does someone beat it down? I think the biggest challenge today for, for me or for any leader. doesn't matter just that you've seen. It can ego. be for yourself. It can be for yourself. Ego? Okay, good. Ego. Uh, you, you know, I was told there's two types of ego, good ego, bad ego. Yep. Good ego gives you the ability to claim greatness. Bad ego blames other people and other things for our lack of success. It's about taking responsibility and not being in your ego. So do you see that a lot with sales leaders? All the time because so many of us were promoted as sales reps. Yeah. We're used to stealing the show, having all the limelight. It's yeah. not about how well you do. It's about how good people feel about themselves. So how do you beat it down? So if, if that's the biggest one, <laughs> uh, that, that's my question. I always love to say, what's the problem? But, you know, how, how do you overcome it? Is there like a, a thought or two on how you overcome that? You know, what happens when we become parents? You know, we're, we're used to, you know, getting accolades ourselves. And then when you start getting accolades for your child, it's so much deeper and so much richer. Mm. And once you experience, you know, 
one of your reps that you mentored, not only changing their numbers, but changing their life. That's the kind of person you are. You want more of that. Love it. Number two, and I'm really interested to hear your, your answer on this one. Our, this is like a fan favorite. They, they've asked me to ask, what's a top interview question or topic that you like to ask? And what exactly are you looking for? So when you're interviewing team members, uh, is there something that you found is particularly helpful? Okay, my favorite question, because I like reps that are hungry. Yeah. So I figure you can be talented, but man, you got to be hungry. Like, yeah. hungry, right? You got to yeah, be yeah, hungry. Yeah. So I like to ask him this simple question. Would you rather earn 80K a year in our organization and be number one or 110 and be number four? Ooh, okay. So what are you looking for when you ask that question? I want an 80K. I want a competitor. Now, look, you're not going to get it every time, and you might have a very qualified candidate that said the latter, but I will tell you, in my experience, I love hiring athletes. I love hiring uh you know, people that, that have that competitive, hungry spirit, because it doesn't matter how good you are if you don't have the drive. Love it. Okay, last one. We found that leaders are readers. And it, like, to your point that you brought up with Sarah Palin earlier, and the great <laughs> ones never, ever uh, stop their leadership, their, their learning journey as part of what they do as leaders. So I don't care if it's books that you're turning pages on or audibles that you're listening to, or if you're doing it in bite-sized chunks, if you're doing it on podcasts and blogs. Is there something that you recommend that our listeners uh, get a hold of and, and make part of, of their leadership library, I guess? Well, I think in general, I love listening to podcasts while I'm outside walking and running because yeah. I also think when you're moving, you integrate things faster. Sales Leadership Podcast is my number one. I'm not thank you, thank your feathers. You. Thank you. <laughs> um, books. I got three of them. Um, sorry, I can't just do one. Um, I love David Brock's book, Sales Manager Survival Guide. It's so good for frontline managers. It's Amen. Bang on, man. Yep. Number two, every human should read this. I don't care what you do or who you are. Don Miller's Building Your Story Brand because mm -hmm. it tells you how to capture, hold, and keep people's attention in a time of information overload. How do I tell my story? How okay. do I draw people in? And the third one, you're going to laugh. Okay. It's Stephen King's. What? Wait, wait, wait. What? Stephen King's on. That cemetery? Wait, no, no. <laughs> it's on writing because oh. he's a fabulous writer and he teaches you how to write. And most salespeople and leaders don't know how to write anymore. You're yes. writing proposals, you're writing emails, for God's sakes, learn how to write and don't just send me an emoji. Okay. Those are so good, Sherry. You're so good. <laughs> hey, I hope that people listening has got a, a good insight to, and the experience it is when you talk with Sherry, excuse me, with Sherry. Sherry, how do people continue the conversation? How do they get more? How do they connect with you? How do they follow you? How do they keep the conversation going? How do they do that? I'd love you to send me a personal email, Sherry, S-H-A-R-I, at SherryLeviton.com. Leviton is L-E-V-I-T-I-N. Follow me on LinkedIn. I do produce. I add to that overload of content. I know. Um, every Sunday night, <laughs> I send out a video. Um, and you can certainly buy my book on Amazon. It's now an audible version. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll endorse that. That's a fantastic book. I read your book you know, a few years ago when we first met. It's a great, great read, and it should be something that every sales leader and every salesperson reads. Thank you, Rob. Um, Sherry, you've been amazing. I love it. I love this whole thing. I don't, I don't know what the best takeaway is, but you're rehumanizing the sales process. You're helping people stand out by how they sell, not what they sell. And, and I think maybe what's most important that I take from you today is, is you're helping leaders Empath have this empathy quotient and maybe 
the way that that's going to show up is by creating hope for the people that work on teams. And, and so with that, I want to thank you, Sherry. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving to our listeners around the world. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Happy selling. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And I loved having Sherry on the show today. You could probably tell we're dear friends. And, and I hope you felt the passion that she brings for this idea of rehumanizing sales. I find her passion to be infectious and contagious, and I think it's a great thing to catch. I believe it's a super important topic, and it's one that will help every single team that chooses to apply this approach. But first, I want to thank our friends at Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast and for helping us showcase great leaders like Sherry, as well as for Outreach's work in helping sales leaders around the world build highly successful teams by creating sales engagement your reps and your customers will thank you for because the experience is so humanized. Outreach is built by salespeople for salespeople, and I can tell you firsthand, they know how to help you scale. Now, Sherry's a fantastic contributor to the sales community. She's important to listen to because her perspective is unique. She practices what she preaches. That's why she knows what she's talking about. She still sells every single day. And most important, I believe she's right. We all need to rehumanize the sales process. There are more salespeople than ever before using more tools than ever before. And if we're honest, these tools aren't humanizing things. Most of the time, they're just trying to scale them. So Sherry shared her blueprint for rehumanization. It was built around four things. Number one, developing skills that can connect and build trust. She said that's the hardest one to get right. Number two, ask questions that get to the heart of both the challenge and the buyer. Three, listen and find the emotions behind the words. And four, make sure you link it to a better and brighter future. And again, she says that the place that we get it wrong most often is that connection point. Developing the skills and developing the ability to, to connect with people and then earn trust is massively important because it gives you the opportunity to do the rest. So I loved how she talked about comparing a salesperson to Alexa. You should, you should ask yourself as you listen to this and you take your notes, are you helping your team do all the things Alexa can't? And, and I agree, that's why salespeople will always be important. We live in a time of information overload. I love how she started it. She gave the three types of, of salespeople that, that uh, were studied. And, and if you can help be what Sherry calls the sense maker, you'll transform your conversations and you'll see massive changes in your win rates. So if there's something you take away from this, this uh, podcast today, make sure you're focused on how do you connect. I love all the findings she has. Sherry's a walking Wikipedia. And one of the big ahas for me was that as technology goes up, empathy goes down. And this is a big, big deal. This is something that should make you stop and think about. How do I help everybody on my team build empathy? The reason it's such a big deal is tech creates more skeptical buyers. And as a result, empathy can become our big differentiator. So I love what she talked about, the two things that, that uh, lead to 90% of persuasion, empathy and competency. And she said, they both matter, but the order matters more. Empathy gets you in the door. Competency keeps you there. I freaking love this. We have so much pressure to succeed that we lead with competency all the time. So yeah, the order matters. Empathy first, competency second. It's a killer framework. Don't forget, 90% of persuasion. But never also forget, the order matters. Um, I want to finish this up with just a couple final thoughts. 
Don't be the giver of information. Don't be the teller of information. Be the sense maker of information. That was another one that jumped out at me. How good are you at being a sense maker? Gary Vee's talked about content versus context. I know John Barrows talks about it. I've talked about it. Um, you know, our job is to put context around content because there's so much of it out there right now. And, and as with everything, the skills a rep needs for prospect are way more similar to the skills a leader needs for a rep's development than people think. Um, just like you got to get a rep to commit and make change, you got to get a rep to commit and make change as a leader. So coaching is all about empathy. It's about creating a brighter future for your rep. So you should ask yourself, what are you doing to create this brighter future for each rep? Follow Sherry's framework for developing empathy. It's awesome. Follow her instructions. Practice. Become it. And whatever you do, don't have a split personality. Be authentic. Choose to do it and start today. I want to thank Sherry for joining us. She's fantastic. If you haven't read her book, read it. It's a great read. If you aren't following her, her content, follow her now. Reach out to her. Take your questions to her. You'll be glad you did. She's, she's a terrific human being, and she's a terrific thought leader in sales. You'll find her to be an incredible resource. Thanks also to our friends at Outreach for their support of the show and for their contribution to the sales community. If you aren't planning to attend Outreach Unleash, sign up today. I will look forward to meeting you there. I'm speaking. I'm looking forward to meeting as many of you as possible, and I hope that you will reach out and tell me when you are scheduled to go to Outreach Unleash. Finally, we appreciate each of our listeners. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us those five-star reviews on iTunes and tell your colleagues about us. It's the best way for our show to grow. It's the best way for us to keep bringing the world's best sales leaders to you. And as always, don't worry. Just execute because, as you know, we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.